people are just so scared of any recipe they see that says sugar syrup or caramel that they no, I won't do anything like that and that is I think this is one of this this awful American syndrome of fear of failure and if you're going to have a sense of fear of failure you're just never going to learn how to cook because cooking is well, lots of it is one failure after another and that's how you finally learn for instance, you've got to have developed what the French call je m'en foutisme, or I don't care what happens, the sky can fall and omelets can go over all over the stove. I'm going to learn. I shall overcome that sort of woman's liberation. And I mean, everything like that. If you're not going to be ready to fail, you're not going to learn how to cook. That's what that little lecture is all about. everyone and welcome to the well here at STSA. If you are just joining us here for the first time, we welcome you with open arms. We're super happy that you're here. You're jumping into the middle of a series called Seasoning Life. Okay, and we're in part three today. And as uh, Chris told us earlier, if you missed any of the parts uh, from beforehand, it's very simple to get you caught up. You go back online, watch on demand for free, all that you want right there at the well at stsa.com get you all caught up. The other thing I want to let you know, because some people were asking me, is that every time that I speak up here, there's a handout that you can use to follow along kind of the verses and take notes. And if you have the STSA app, you can actually have the exact same handout on your phone or on your iPad. It's the exact same. So if you want to save a tree or you want to be able to save all your notes, you download the STSA app and you can get the weekly uh, notes updated on your phone right there and take the notes and you can email to yourself and save them all right there. What we're talking about in Seasoning Life is we are talking about five habits that lead to a life that, let's say, tastes right. A properly seasoned life. We're talking about five habits to live questionable lives as Christians. And what we said is if we're going to be true followers of Christ, true disciples, then we must be questionable people. Questionable in the sense that people should look at our lives and ask us questions and say, hey, why do you do what you do? Or how come you don't do what I do? Our lives should elicit questions from people because of our behavior, our speech. That's the verse that we've been talking about from Colossians chapter 4. That our behavior should be seasoned with grace. Our speech should be seasoned with salt. The people should look at our lives and say, your lives taste different. And when we see those seasoned lives, they will taste different to the world around us. They will taste different to God. And what you're going to see in the end is actually the cook is the one who benefits the most from it because we're the ones who get the best taste in the end. Now, last week we started off by with our first habit. Okay, we're following the acronym BELLS. And the first habit was the BLESS habit. And we talked about blessing three people. And I just need to tell you, several people told me stories and people sent me emails and text messages. This was the greatest week of my life. Not for me personally. For me, it was great. Several people blessed me, but that really wasn't it. What made me so happy, and any parent, you get this, okay? As a parent, you get this, that there's nothing that brings more delight to a parent's heart than to see his children blessing one another and helping one another. And I know uh, this one sent meals to that one, and this one got gift card for that one, and this one went out of their way to write an encouraging note to that one on this day. I know, I'll tell you a true story. A, a boy, a 14-year-old boy did laundry for his household, 
Avoid that. That's worthy of clapping. Like that's really someone who's living a questionable. Like his parents weren't if he was on drugs or like what what happened at school. Uh, the boy just wanted to bless his parents and did laundry for his parents. I know there was a life group that baked cookies for the deacons of the church. Like it made me so happy to see people blessing one another. And I think you would agree that it made you happy as well, whether you were on the giving or the receiving end. Okay. Now, when it comes to these habits. When it comes to these habits, like a blessed three people, it's not a matter of that was week one, we're done with that and back to our selfish, miserable lives. The goal is to make these things a way of life. You may not need to be as elaborate, okay? You may not need to buy an expensive gift card or do something as elaborate, but I hope that you benefited from the blessing more than the person who was the recipient, okay? That, that, that's the verse that we talked about in Life Group for those who attended Life Group last week. That the, the rich, I'm sorry, that the wealthy soul, the generous soul will be made wealthy. And he who waters will be watered himself. And at Jesus said the same thing. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So if you enjoy the week of blessing, man, keep it as a habit and keep on blessing people. Because that's what it need, means to be a questionable person. As our lives as Christians should be generous. They should be giving. They should be sharing. They should not be selfish. And that was the first habit. Now the second habit, we're going to go a little bit out of order here. We're not going to go to the E yet. We're going to go a little bit out of order and you'll see why after I, after I, after I kind of go through it here. We're kind of going to the other end of the spectrum. The second habit is actually the exact opposite, at least seemingly, of the first habit. The first habit was bless someone else. The second habit is actually seemingly very selfish and it's very much focused on me. But I believe that to be a true soldier of Christ, to be a true man or woman of God, you cannot do that without the second habit. And the second habit is this. This week, we will spend one period of time learning Christ. <clears throat> one period of time learning Christ. Now, the expression to learn Christ is not an expression that's commonly used this, these days. But it was actually a very common expression in the early church. Because back in the day, when Christianity first started and it spread like wildfire, the way Christianity spread, as, as we talked about this before, Christianity didn't spread because it had great preachers. Christianity didn't spread because it had great evangelists. Christianity spread because it had great questionable lives. And it wasn't the one person who preached on Sunday. It was the hundreds of people who lived different Monday through Friday that made Christianity spread like wildfire. And it made people say, whatever you guys are doing, I want that. It wasn't my great sermons that makes people Christian. What makes people Christian is when they see a behavior. And the inverse is true too. What keeps people away from the church is not this, it's the behavior, okay? But during that time when Christianity was spreading like wildfire, people were coming from pagan backgrounds. So people knew the many gods and the sun god and the moon god and the whatever god. And then they would have to deny those gods. There was two steps. There was deny those gods and learn Christ. Those were the two steps. Okay, they had to deny the old. Okay, we can call that repentance. And then they had to learn Christ. We oftentimes see in the, in the New Testament in particular, the book of Acts, we'll see that, you know, Peter preached and said, repent and believe, okay? And people repented and believed and that was it. And, uh, you know, repent and be baptized and that was it. And I'm not saying that didn't happen. That absolutely happened. But that was not the pattern. That was the norm. That was more of the exception. If you look back into the first 100, 200, 300, 400 years of Christianity, when people were joining the faith, it wasn't just accept Christ. It was learn Christ. And what we're going to see today is there's a difference between the two. 
accepting Christ is good, I believe, is very, very good. But learning Christ is critical because we believe that when you join the church, when you join the family of God, it's for life. It's marriage. Can you marry someone that you don't know? Well, you can, but it's probably not going to go very well. <laughs> People do it all the time, and you know how it ends. And we believe that we're going to talk about marrying Christ. Baptism, we believe, is marriage forever. And it's not just for the rest of your life on this earth. It's for all of eternity. How can you marry someone that you do not know? So what that meant in the early church is there was always a period of what was called catechism, of learning Christ. And catechism is just a fancy word for joining the church or becoming a member of the church. It's what we do as we call it the membership group. Okay, and it was always done during the period of Lent as we do it a similar way. And it was a period of intense study focused on who is Christ and what did Christ do on this earth. It was 40 days, not 40 days of evening classes, not 40 days of reading and watch something online. It was 40 days where people would come every single day in the morning and they would receive, there would be a time of prayer and they would spend quite a bit of time in prayer. And then they would receive teaching, probably eight hours a day. And what they would learn, don't scare, this just, just might scare you away. They would read the entire Bible and learn the entire Bible in 40 days. Now with that said, back then they didn't have the entire Bible that we have. They didn't have the, the, the New Testament. Okay, but the Old Testament, which is three quarters of the Bible that you have in 40 days. Some of us have been alive 40 years and haven't read the Bible once. And these people in 40 days would be taught from cover to cover the message of the gospel. What does it mean to be a child of God? And who is the person of Christ as revealed in the Old Testament and whatever writings they had in the New Testament? Compare that to today. Compare that to today. The majority of us, the majority of us, if we're honest, were born into Christianity. You may not have been born into this church, but you were born into Christian faith. And you probably, the extent of your Christian education was probably an hour of Sunday school a week, if that. That's what we had, an hour of Sunday school a week. And we spent most of that hour, Uncle Gergis, who was our teacher, chasing us around the parking lot trying to get us to go inside. And then, after that, Priest comes up and says, hey guys, to be a member of the church, we do this thing called membership group. We learn what it means. No, 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 I don't need that, Father Anthony. Why you don't need that? No, because I've been a member of the church my whole life. I got it all figured out. I went to Sunday school for an hour a week. And then we say, you know, we're going to read this. No, 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 I already know all that stuff. We're going to do this thing called ancient faith class. No, 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 I got all that stuff figured out. I got all that stuff figured out. I've been in church my whole life. I've been attending church for an hour a week for almost however many years. Our problem is, follow me here on this one. Don't confuse learning a person with learning information. I have no doubt that if you've been a member of the church your whole life, I have no doubt that you know information. You know God good, devil bad. You know heaven is the place to be, hell, you don't want, you don't want reservations down there. You know that Jesus died for us, whatever that means, and forgiveness of sin, and you know, like, you know, like, the summary, like, the highlights. You know how this thing works. But is that the goal? To just know some information? Is the goal to learn information? Or is the goal to learn Christ? Look at it this way. Married people, y'all get this. Married people, you get this. Dating people, you don't get this. You will get this very, very soon. Married people, you get this. Because when you're dating, you love to learn about the other person. What are your dreams? What are your fears, your hopes? 
How do you, how many kids do you want? What do you want? And we ask all these funny questions because we want to learn everything we can about the person. Then we get married. And that's it, we're done. We've graduated from the, the, from the process of learning about the other person. And that's usually when marriage starts to go down the toilet. When we stop investing in one another and we stop learning about one another, we say, no, no, no. I tell you everything about my wife. I know where she was born. I know her birthday. I know the name of her parents. I know her favorite color. I know, uh, I, I know everything about my wife. What's there more to know? I learned it all already. No, 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 no. Are we talking about information? Are we talking about a person? Because a person, I've been married 15 years and every single day I discover something new about my wife. In a positive way, I didn't mean in a negative way, okay? <laughs> There's still surprises every day is what I'm saying. And she's learning about me. And we're gonna continue to learn about each other. You know why? Because this is a relationship between two people and people are always changing. So I can't say, no, no, I know everything about Marianne. I graduated from learning Marianne. I graduated back however many years ago because I did whatever. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So how come, when it comes to God, we're kind of content with we know this about him, and we signed on the dotted line on whatever day or whatever we believe, and we're kind of content there? Look what St. Peter says in his epistle, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's speaking to believers, strong believers, actually believers who are being persecuted for their faith and strong. And he's saying, be careful that you don't lose this great relationship. Okay, how do we, how do we protect ourselves? The best defense is always a good offense. The best way to protect myself from not being in love with my wife anymore and to falling out of intimacy with my wife is to continue to grow in my knowledge of her my intimacy with her and to learn more and more about her at a deeper level. That's what I'm talking about here today. Like that, that's our purpose for here today is I'm not saying you don't know God. I absolutely positively believe you know God. You wouldn't be here on a cold rainy Sunday unless you did. But I'm not talking about knowing at a surface level. I'm saying our goal for this week is to go deeper because God is a person that we want to learn and we want to be married to him for all of eternity. And the only way that's going to be successful is that we grow in our knowledge of him. Ask yourself this question. How are you today any more spiritually mature than you were a year ago? How are you today deeper in your knowledge and intimacy with God than you were a year ago, or two years ago, or three years ago, or four years ago? And on top of that, how do you plan that a year from now, that answer is different? Like, what's your plan for growing in your knowledge of God? Or you just say, you know what? I'm content with the status quo. What is your plan? Because I'd say, I got news for you. If I have a child and that child is born and that child is little baby, little baby, little baby, and he's so cute, he's cute, 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 cute. And I say, oh, look how cute that little baby is. And he says, goo goo and gaga and everyone loves him and a pinch of cheeks and he's so cute. That's cute when he's a one year old. But if he's 15, 16 years old and still goo goo gaga, that's a tragedy. If that child was born but did not mature, that is a tragedy. And I'm saying you were born into the family of God. Bravo. Are you maturing as a member of the family of God? Or you're still in the goo-goo gaga phase? Sometimes people tell me, Father Anthony, like I'm struggling these days and life is difficult. And, you know, I just, I wish I could just go back. I wish I could just go back to the way things were when. 
And it's always this like, this honeymoon period with God of like, when I was just, when I graduated college or when I was, you know, just new in my faith, I wish I could go back to that. And I will t tell them, why are you trying to go back? Why you go back? Why don't you go forward? Because back isn't the way it's supposed to be. That's like me sitting here in ninth grade saying, man, life was so much easier in third grade. I wish I'd go back to third grade. Third grade was great, okay? But you can't go back, okay? There's no more going back to third grade. Like third grade was the best. Seventh grade was like the wonder years, fourth. Okay, that's great. But you got to move forward. And you can't say, I wish I could go back to third grade. No, you got to say, what challenges in front of me in ninth grade and 10th grade and 11th grade and 12th grade? We need to move forward and deepen our relationship with God. And why this is so important. Why this is so important. I'll tell you why this is so important for you and for me and for all of us. Because you know what is one of our strengths? What is one of our strengths in life in general? What we are very good at? Self-deception. You know what self-deception means? That means when everybody else can see it except you. We're not going to do a show of hands. We're not going to do a show of hands. We're not going to do elbowing or pointing. or who. But let me ask you a question. Do you know anyone who struggles with self-deception? No, no, this stuff, ladies, don't do it to your husbands. Do you know anybody who thinks something and the rest of the world knows it ain't true except them? For example, someone who thinks they can sing. But you and everyone around them know they can't sing. Do you know somebody, somebody, who thinks their jokes are really funny? <laughs> and the whole world says, it ain't funny. It's only because you're a priest we have to laugh at your jokes. Okay. Do you know somebody who thinks they're always right? And they're right about everything and everything and everything and everyone behind them is just like... My wife is like, yes, absolutely. I know someone like that very well. <laughs> we all know somebody who's very good at deceiving themselves. And I'm telling you, the music, the, the jokes, the right, that's fine. But a very dangerous area is the spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. And we deceive ourselves all the time in thinking that we are further along than we are and thinking that we are just fine and that we are perfectly okay exactly where we are. Don't believe me? Pew Research, which is a company that does all these different researches about like Christian things. They did a study and they wanted to see what Christians say versus what Christians do, which is a fantastic study. And I encourage you to go look at this. I can send you all the link if you want. And I'll just give you some of the highlights. What Christians say versus what Christians do. Christians in this country, 50% of Christians, almost, almost 50%, a little bit less, say they attend church weekly. Weekly means once a week. The real number of Christians that attend church once a week is 20%. And I would bet you that if I took a survey amongst people in this room right here that say, do you attend church weekly? Yeah, of course I attend church weekly. But I bet you, if you go back and look at that calendar, that weekly isn't exactly weekly. In this country, the majority of Christians believe that the Bible should have greater influence on society. That the Bible should have greater influence on society. The majority of Christians believe that. And the same majority of Christians who said that read their Bible less than a handful of times per year. The same ones who say our Bible should be more evident in society, the same group actually opens that Bible less than a handful number of times per year. Three out of ten Christians claims to read the Bible several, time, several, several times per week, but the real number is less than one out of ten Christians reads the Bible several times per week. We convince ourselves that we're doing just fine, but faith, I'm doing good. We know who we are. We're the husband. 
Who we say, go to the husband and say, what's your priorities in life? Family's number one. Family's number one. Uh, God, number, God and family is very important. Then you go look at the guy's schedule. He works 100 hours a week. Comes to church once or twice a year. And that's pretty much it. But God is number one and family's number two. He never spent any time with God. Never spent any time with his family. But God is family number one and number two. We become like that person when we say that God is most important in our lives. But then the reality, don't confuse accepting Christ with investing in Christ. You agree with that, don't you? It's not the same thing. Accepting Christ, all of you, 100%. Investing in Christ, I'm not so sure. Do you think of an example of a person or a group of people who accepted God but did not invest in their relationship with God and therefore were condemned by Christ? Remember the Pharisees? Pharisees in the New Testament, okay, if you never read the New Testament, the Pharisees are to the New Testament what like the stormtroopers are to Star Wars. Yeah, they're like the bad guys, okay? And everywhere they're just like, they can't get out of their own way right there. And everywhere they go, Jesus comes and says, you guys don't know what you're doing. And you guys are messing things up. But they thought they were doing the right thing. Pharisees were, did they know God? They, yeah, they, they preached God and they talked everyone about God and they followed God and they dedicated their lives to following God and they knew the law and they accepted the law. And these guys, not memorized verses, these guys memorized books. Like if you're playing Bible trivia, that's who you choose on your team. These guys knew everything there was to know about God. But the problem is, they missed God right in front of them. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 39. Speaking to the Pharisees, he says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And if you read the rest of this chapter, you'll see Jesus gets quite frustrated with these guys. Why? Because they said, We believe in the scriptures. We believe in God. We believe in the Messiah. And then there's Jesus standing right in front of their eyes and say, and they push him out the way. Why? How could it be that people who dedicated their entire lives, this is important for us, how could it be that people who dedicated their entire lives to studying the scriptures, to memorizing the scriptures, could miss the one who the scriptures pointed to who was right in front of them? How could that be possible? Easy. Because they confused accepting with investing. Do you believe in God? We believe in God. Do you believe in the Messiah? We believe in the Messiah. Do you believe in the scriptures? Yes. But they never invested, they never opened up their hearts and stopped asking themselves, like they didn't just say, they would always say, this is what this means, this is what this means, but they never said, what does this mean for me today? They knew the scriptures, but they never opened their hearts and said, what does this mean for me today? They never invested. They relied on what they knew yesterday and not what Christ was teaching today. They relied on what they knew yesterday, not on what Christ was trying to teach them today. And my fear, my brothers and sisters, that we could fall on that same path. If I were to ask the Pharisees, what is God teaching you? They'll say, well, he's telling Moses this and Elijah this. No, no, no. What's he telling you today? What, do you, what did you learn about him today? What did you learn about him this week? They'd say, we know Moses and we know and we know and we know. My fear is we might end up doing the same. Let me help you figure out, okay, now that was kind of the, the negative side, okay? <laughs> I'll pick you up right here, right now. I think one of the reasons why we struggle to invest in our relationship with God is because we don't have a proper understanding of a goal. Like, we like goals. We like to invest for the sake of a certain purpose. And if I were to ask you, what's the goal of Christianity? Like, why do we do what we do? Why am I asking you to read the Bible? Why do you come to church on Sunday? Like, what's the purpose? 
And for many years in my life, I'll be honest, I didn't know the purpose. And I thought the purpose was just because it's like a nice thing to do and, you know, like, like I don't know, like I feel like if I go to church enough, then I'll look familiar and God will say at the end, yeah, like you look like, yeah, you belong here. But is that, is that the goal? Just to like look familiar to God or, or what's the purpose? Let me bring you a few verses and you tell me what the purpose is. Purpose of everything we do, three verses, Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's verse 1. Ephesians 4, 14. We should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So first was conformed to the image, now is grow up into, the, into him who is the head, who is Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What is the goal of everything we do in church? What is the goal of why we read the Bible? What is the goal of why we fast? What is the goal of why we pray? What is the goal of everything that we do in our entire lives? The goal is the image of Christ. The goal is the image of Christ. The goal is that I would stand, not really in front of a mirror, but you know what you understand, and that I would see Christ. And that my coworkers would look at me and they would see Christ. And that my neighbors and my parents and my wife and my children and the guy sitting next to me on the metro and the guy in front of me in the Starbucks would look at me and see Christ. I would talk like he talks. I would love like he loved. I would pray like he prayed. I would treat my parents the way he treated his parents. I would treat my enemies the way he treated his enemies. My thoughts would be like his. My faith would be like his. My courage would be like his. My boldness would be like his. Like, that's a pretty big goal. That's a pretty big goal. Anyone want to venture out and say, you know what? I accomplished that. Check mark. What's next on the bucket list? Like, I accomplished Christ. That's a pretty big goal. Well, how come if I told you I want to be a doctor? Okay, you would never say that you could be a doctor without putting in some effort. You would never say that. You would never say, you know what? I just really believe very much in like doctor. So I just really, and I accept it. And I believe, and I believe that one day I'm going to be a doctor. Like I, I really believe it in all my heart. Like I really do, you know. I for many years believed that I would be playing in the NBA by this time, but had to go for my backup career, which is what I'm doing right here. How come... With every other aspect of life, you're not going to be a doctor without effort, you're not going to be a lawyer without effort, you're not going to be an Olympic athlete without effort, but how come with a goal of image of Christ, yeah, yeah we can get there, don't worry, we got, I got a test on Tuesday, Father Anthony, I don't have time this week, no, no, I have deadlines at work, what are you talking about, don't worry, we'll put this, every other area of life, we would never think that we could make without any investment, but somehow when it comes to this Christianity thing, we think that as long as we accept it, we turn Christianity from an active into a passive. We turn Christianity from an active into a passive. We think that the goal of Christianity is just to kind of sit back in my chair and let God do all this kind of stuff to me. And every now and then I should pray that he gives me more stuff and I should fast so I get more stuff. We took it in from active to passive. And we think the goal is just, again, exactly. I go to this, this class and I say, you know what? Everything the teacher said, I accept it. I believe in medicine. I believe in it. The goal is not to accept medicine. The goal is to be a doctor. The goal is not to accept the teachings of Christ. The goal is to be Christ to this world. 
And that's a lifetime goal, to be transformed into his image. <clears throat> so what we're going to do about it? What we're going to do about it? Our challenge for this week is we're going to read. We are going to read. We are going to read. And I know this sounds like a piddly little thing. What does this reading thing have to do? But this cartoon, I believe it to be very, very, very true. Reading is this strange thing about how people install new software into their brains. What we need to do, if we are going to be transformed into the image of God, if we are going to be transformed and we're going to look like him, or we're going to have faith like him, we're going to have courage, like all those things that I just said, then we need to invest in our relationship with him. How? What we're going to do this week, if your marriage was struggling and you haven't been investing in your marriage, you would come to me and I would say, what you got to do this week is you got to cancel something on your schedule and you got to take a date night. That's what I would say. And I would say during that date night, like whatever, like depending on what you're struggling with, but you got to cancel something out your schedule and you have to take a date night. And if you were really, really struggling, I'd say you have to take a date weekend. Like if you were really, so wherever it is that you are, I would say you got to cancel something and invest in this. We're going to take a date with God this week. And I'm going to challenge you, every single person, that we're going to take a date. And it's going to be a 30 to 60 minute chunk of time. Now what I'm saying here is we don't want 30 minutes across five days. No, because to talk to my wife for two minutes a day, every day, like that's nice, but that's not quality. Quality is what we need, not quantity. So meaning like we don't need consistency in this. This we need a chunk of time. We need to set aside 30 to 60 minutes. And if you say, I want 60, but I can't, I'll give you 30 and 30. Okay, but don't go any less than 30. Set aside, it's one sitcom. It's one episode or whatever. Set aside one 30-minute chunk of time and read. We, as a church, we have a book of reading together for Lent. That's what you got, you buy it. If that's sold out today, get another book. I don't care. I don't care what you read. Read a history book, okay, like a Christian history. Read uh, lives of missionaries and saints. Read about a spiritual topic. Like, read anything. I honestly don't care what you read because it's not about the information. It's about the habit. It's not about the information. It's about the habit that we need to get into the habit of taking time out of our schedule and investing in our relationship with God. Me personally, I'm not a materialistic person, not because I'm very kind and generous, just because I just don't care about stuff. But the one thing that you will never see me give away, of my own at least, give away my wife's, but never give away my own, is books. Never. And if I want to give you a book, I'll buy you a book and send it to you. I'll never give away books. Because I believe that books are valuable. Because books are what help make us who we are. And several times people come to me and say, Father Anthony, like your sermons, how did you come up with that idea? Or where did you get that from? The answer, to be honest, is because I read. And I believe very much in reading. And when I'm not reading, I'm not learning anything new, you're going to see very dry Father Anthony up here. You're going to see very boring Father Anthony up here. And you're not going to see fresh and new because reading is what feeds us and allows us, that's how we invest in our relationship with God. And you know who says the same thing? It's not just me. Here's a passage from 2 Timothy chapter 4. St. Paul wrote this. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is the last chapter of the last letter that St. Paul wrote before he died. Okay, and he wrote it from prison to his disciple Timothy. And look what he says. These are the words of a man who's on death row, who knows he's going to die very soon. He says to his disciple, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Dalatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, 
phrase useful to me for ministry, and Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. What's he basically saying right here in these first few verses before I get to the next verse? Basically saying, I'm an old man. I live my whole life to help others. Now everyone's basically left. This is an empty nester to the extreme. He's in prison. He's dying. And he's saying, my last wish, come visit me. And if you can bring Mark, that'd be great. Because I just got this Luke guy here with me. And like, we got bored of each other. So come and visit me. What would a dying man want? Just come visit me. But St. Paul says one more request. Look what else he says. Actually, two more. He says, bring the cloak that I left at Carpus at Troas, or left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Don't you see how sad this is? This is a guy who's dying. And he said, bring me a cloak. Why? Gold, okay? Like he's in prison, just awaiting death, like in a Roman prison, just like he's about to die. So like just, my point is just the essentials. Just the essentials. He's not asking for extraneous things. Bring me my cloak and bring me my books. This, on his deathbed, awaiting execution, give me my books. That's someone who understood what it means to invest in his relationship with God. That's someone who realized that no matter how good I am, I'm not there yet. That's someone who says, I am in love with God and I'm not content to know God at a surface level. I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And maybe now we understand the mystery here. Maybe now we understand why St. Paul was so mature. Maybe we understand how he could say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, even from prison. Maybe that's why he knew something called peace, which surpasses all understanding, which we spend our entire lives to chase this peace, and we never find it. Because maybe it has something to do with the way he invested in his relationship with God. I'll be honest with you. It's sad that we, in general, think nothing, sit in front of the TV for two, three hours, watch a movie, watch, catch up an entire season of, 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 of Hearts, House of Thrones or Game of Thrones or Cards, whatever it's called. We think nothing of that. And then say, hey, read the Bible, and automatically it's I'm too busy. Sit two, three hours in front of the TV? No problem. Two, three minutes from the Bible. We know everything that's going on in the election and who's winning what poll and who cursed who and who's fighting with who and who's dropping out of what. And then we come and say, hey, it's time to pray. It's time to read. I said, no, I have time. I'm busy, Father Anthony. Maybe part of the problem in our spiritual maturity is we know more about the modern family than we know about the holy family. And then we wonder why our faith is weak. And then we wonder why we have no joy. And then we wonder why we have stress and anxiety. And Father Anthony, I don't know if I can do this. And my faith is weak. And, and I don't have the peace. And I don't have the joy. And we say all these things. And then we look at the investment of our lives. And our lives are invested in TV and CNN and Fox News and in Facebook and status updates and all these kinds of nonsense. And then we wonder why we are not spiritual giants. You want more peace. Do you think peace is going to come from watching CNN? You want more joy. You think that joy is going to come from being on the internet? Being on as many Pinterest boards as you can? That's where we're going to find joy? Here's a recipe for joy in a bucket. 
We invest nothing in our spiritual lives. And then we wonder why we are not spiritually mature. And we wonder why we struggle. Well, the answer is very simple. I'll make you all feel really bad right now. Really bad. How many people, no show of hands, I'm just asking yourself, rhetorical, say, you know, I've never read the Bible. I've never read the whole Bible. Do you know how long it would take you if you wanted to read the Bible in a year? One year, which sounds like a daunting task. Do you know how long it would take you on average per day? 15 minutes. Maybe 20 if you are, you know, the, the, the slower brain. Okay, but that's fine. 15, 20 minutes. Do you know what that means? That means if you gave up one episode of your favorite show, 30-minute sitcom or, or whatever you watch, you could read the Bible two times in one year. And we've been alive for decades, and we haven't read the Bible once. And we say we can't. And I'm telling you, in the end, it's a 15, 20-minute commitment per day to read it per year. I'm about to turn 40 years old. That means I should read it 40 times. I, I'm not I'm not read it 40 years, 40 times. I'm not. But one of the things that I would like to do, that is one of my personal goals, is that going forward, I would read the Bible every year. And I'm telling you, I'm already behind in 2016, but that's okay. You know what? If I get it in a year and a half, I'll be very happy with that goal. But we cannot continue to invest nothing in our relationship with God and then expect ourselves to be spiritual giants. We cannot be complacent and then expect ourselves that we will have the faith to stand strong. And we will have the joy when the bad news comes. And we will have the peace when everyone else is stressed and anxiety. We can't. We can no longer. Like, that's the self-deception. We got to get rid of that. We got to get rid of that self-deception. And we got to be honest. If we're investing nothing, we shouldn't be surprised. We get nothing. This week's challenge. 30 to 60 minutes of reading. 30 to 60 minutes. And I know it sounds like... Where am I going to find the time, Father Anthony? Where am I going to get the time this week? I promise you. Just say, you go today when you go home. I make my schedule for the week every Monday morning, but whenever you do it, okay, you make your schedule, and you just put that sucker in there, that 30 to 60 minutes. You just put it in first, and I guarantee you, everything else will find a way to fall into place. I guarantee you. You just say, on Wednesday, I'm going to fast. Okay, fast. We're in a period of fasting now in Lent. I'm going to fast from this TV show, and I'm going to do this. That's true fasting. I'm going to fast. I'm going to give up something in order to do this. Or you say on Friday night, instead of just hanging out and watching TV and video games for four hours, we're going to watch TV and video games for 3.5 hours only. And we're going to do something beneficial with that 0.5. We're going to read something. Remember earlier, I spoke about the difference between a soldier and a civilian. I said our goal is we are soldiers in the kingdom of God, not just civilians. A civilian runs and exercises and eats right because he wants to, because he wants to look good or because he wants whatever it may be, because he wants to. A soldier does the same thing because he has to. A civilian thinks it's an option. A civilian thinks, you know what? If I get into shape, okay, maybe not. A soldier knows if I don't get into shape, I will die. My life is on the line right here. And not just my life, but the life of the rest of my, my, my soldier group, my, my unit. The rest of my country is on the line with my health. And I'm telling you, are you a soldier in the kingdom or a civilian? A civilian says, I should read when I read. And it's a good thing to read because Father Anthony said so. And he was kind of screaming about it. So just give, make the guy happy. Just in case he asks next week, I can raise my hand. It's a nice thing. A soldier says, I have no choice. I must grow in my intimacy with God. I need to learn Christ. I need to learn Christ. I can no longer be content with where I am. I have to grow. And if I am in 2016, I got to be better in 2017 and then in 2018 and in 2019. 
Because if I'm not learning Christ, married people, you know this. If you're not growing closer together, you are growing further apart. Those are the only two options. There's no status quo when it comes to marriage. There's no complacent when it comes to marriage. Either you're growing closer, you're growing further apart. The same is true in our relationship with God. Last verse. In case you thought I made up the expression, learned Christ. Ephesians 4.20. It says, but you, you have not so learned Christ. He's basically telling them, like, you're not done learning Christ. You think that you are, but you're not. You're not done learning Christ. So what I need you to do, I need you to put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Usually, I try to finish up. I know, today's kind of a gloomy day. Okay, so watch this. I'm going to finish up gloomy, I know, but I'm spin it positive. Usually, I like to finish with a positive, like whatever we're talking about. I like to say, you know what? Imagine if we all, whatever. So last week, I talked about blessing. And I was saying, imagine if we all went out and blessed someone. Imagine if everyone in this room blessed someone in their community or we blessed someone in Arlington. Like, imagine the possibility if we all. That's how we usually end. Today, gloomy. I won't flip it and say negative. Imagine if none of us grow in our faith. Imagine if we take this concept, take this message and say, you know what? Father Anthony's making a big deal out of nothing. He had one too many communion wine or something like that. We don't need to grow. What's going to happen to our church body if all of us say, you know what? Growing makes no difference. What's going to happen to our world, to our witness in this world? If we say, you know what? We're content as is. We don't even know anymore, but we got it all figured out already. The world, life, is not getting any easier. I don't know a single person who can tell me that life today is easier than it was five years ago. Life is not getting any less challenging. Life is not getting any easier. So if you think you're going to stay the same as far as your faith, as far as your depth with God, you think you're going to stay the same and make it? Life ain't getting any easier. So we also, we need to step up our gate. And we need to be ready for the challenges that we face. The world needs us to be able to witness in a true way to truly be not disciples of Christ. We are not just disciples of Christ. We are to be the image of Christ. We're not just to be his disciples and say, yeah, go follow that guy because he was great. We don't know anything he said, but he seemed like a really, really nice guy. We are to be the image of Christ. And when they see us, they should see him. And when they hear us, they should hear him. And until we've gotten to that point, man, we have quite a bit of work to do. So my challenge to you, my encouragement to you, is let's spend a significant time this week. And let's say, you know what? I need to invest in my relationship with God. And again, remember, we're talking about habits. We're not throwing away. We're keeping the blessed habit. And we're going to hopefully keep this habit as we go along. But we need to commit 30 to 60 minutes to learn Christ this week. Okay, my brothers and sisters? Let's stand together and say a prayer. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you that you've given us so many opportunities and different means to be able to learn about you and to know you. And you're always there whenever we call to you, Lord. You're always there for us. Forgive us, Lord, for being complacent and kind of letting this relationship get stale and not really investing the way that we need to. We pray that this coming week that you would help us all to take this challenge to heart and to say, I want to invest in my relationship with God. And I want to learn you 
and I want to grow deeper in my relationship with you. And I pray that you'd help us to make it into our schedules, fight away the distractions and fight away like the phones ringing and all the different stuff. Give us to be able to spend a quality time with you. And I have no doubt, Lord, that if we do it, that you will make it absolutely worth our while because it's your greatest delight, Lord, to spend time with us. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the prayers of all your saints. Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.